Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast in philanthropy, sustainability and social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Alberto Legic from London. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already. And do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find the show as well. Today, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome onto the show Michael Thatcher, Chief Executive Officer of Charity Navigator. And Charity Navigator is a household name for many of you listening. And it does exactly what it says on the tin. They evaluate charities. They provide in-depth, objective ratings and analysis of the financial health and accountability and transparency of thousands of charities. And I think you'll find this episode very interesting. I know I will. So without further ado, Michael, a big heartfelt welcome onto the Do One Better podcast today. Thank you, Alberto. I'm delighted to be here. Well, it's great to have you. You're the Chief Executive of Charity Navigator. I have to tell you, I've been familiar with your platform for quite a while, so I'm genuinely looking forward to learning more about the work you guys are doing. Uh, you're out there in the U.S. East Coast. I'm here in the U.K. Overcome a little bit of time difference, but nothing terrible. And I'd love to find out uh, a little bit about Charity Navigator. Why don't you give us an overview of what it's all about? Sure. And um, Charity Navigator is, we, we exist to really democratize philanthropy, and we're trying to make it easier for anyone to give no matter what their income is. And we do that through a free online database, which has over 1.6 million charities listed on it. And then we publish ratings on about 200,000 of those. So we're trying to help you sort of find an organization that meets your specific cause areas, and then do some analysis to see, are they actually, are they, are they financially sound? Are they making a difference in the way they say they're making a difference? and then even facilitate the giving process. As well as a rating system, we also have an alert system. So when something bad happens, or let's say an organization is accused of some form of wrongdoing, we make that aware to the donor uh, by issuing an alert. And then finally, uh, we have what we call hot topics or give now lists when we've had a lot of world events. COVID, some major storms coming through the United States and other parts of the world. When bad things happen, people's hearts open up and they want to give. And they're giving in an area which isn't normally their philanthropy area, right? We don't necessarily in, invest in changes around earthquake recovery. But when an earthquake happens, we want to do something about it. And so we put together curated lists that help people find organizations that are highly rated that are actually addressing that issue. Excellent, excellent. And you've been around for how long? Charity Navigators, we're celebrating our 20th anniversary this year. Um, and I've been with the organization a little over seven years. You've been growing quite a bit, right? So in terms of the the, the universe of charities that you're covering and also the, the data points and so forth, things seem to be getting bigger and better. The ratings have changed significantly over the since the, since the beginning. When we started 20 years ago, we were gathering data from the IRS. So in the United States, charities must publish their financials and some governance metrics to the, to the US government. Those are open documents. And so that allowed us to create a system where we would consume the data from the IRS, run our algorithms on it, and then publish ratings. The problem with that was that it was a highly manual situation up until a few years ago. About six years ago, the IRS began publishing with the 990, which is the tax form, that information in a machine-readable way. That allowed us to automatically ingest that data and run out, do increase the automation, which went 
meant we went from rating 8,000 organizations to rating close to 200,000 now. Wow. The other element that's changed in our ratings is we were not satisfied with just financial metrics. Telling you where an organization has spent its money isn't necessarily telling you what they've done with that money. And so trying to, trying to figure out what are the impact and results of this organization, that's now being brought into the ratings. We're also looking at the leadership and adaptability structures. So do they have a plan? What's their mission? Does their mission align with their actual theory of change? And then finally, who are they? And what, you know, from what we call this culture and community, but are they, do they have an internal diversity, equity, and inclusion practice? Are they paying equitably? Are they actually even looking at this? Um, do they listen to their constituents? So one of the things that's been really interesting in the evolution of a lot of analysis of uh, philanthropic en endeavors is a lot of times we, we impose ideas on, on areas of the world that we think need help versus actually engage with the community and hear what they need and then address it based on based on that demand. Yeah. And so you mentioned how the the format in which the IRS was putting out its data meant that enabled you to go from 8,000 to 200,000 charities that you're covering. Um, but yet now you're telling us also that you're really giving a, looking at a lot of contextual information be, beyond those straightforward data points. What is that? What are the implications of that for your team? In other words, how much can you automate versus how much human capital do you need at your own disposal to make uh, to provide this analysis to the broader world? And it's it's um, there's a wonderful tension in that. And you know, Charity Navigator really was set up to be you know, for the people, by the people, we're a free service. We don't charge the charities. We don't charge the donors. And that has re resulted in us being pretty small. When I, when I joined Charity Navigator seven years ago, we were 16 people with a board of 20. Uh, we're now 34 people with a board of about, uh, I think there are 14 now on the board. And so we've doubled in size in terms of the actual, the, the human workforce. There's, um, we do things through automation, but we also do it through acquisition. So one of the challenges in the sector is actually gathering data from the working charities or the nonprofits. And, and one of the challenges for those working nonprofits is that everyone's asking them to report on what they're doing. And that's not really their job. Their job is actually whatever it is, whether it's feeding children, um, getting animals off the street, or trying to focus on cleaning up the environment. And so what we've done is we've gone to other data collectors or providers in the sector, and either we're licensing in their information, or in one case, uh, we acquired a small organization called Impact Matters which was, that's where the impact and results portion of our ratings is now coming from, was through the acquisition of this organization, their people, their intellectual property and processes. And so that's allowed us to scale without massively increasing the number of people. Ultimately, we're trying to be sort of that, give you a snapshot of an organization's health, and outcomes if they're able to articulate them so that you can make a decision. We're, we're not gonna be able to do a, a really deep dive on any specific organization. 
but that's we're setting up it's almost like an on-ramp and then that then it's your job to actually engage with the charity and try and find out more or if you're satisfied with that first level of information then move forward with your donation or volunteering or whatever it is you you seek to do in engaging with that organization great now my conjecture but uh perhaps there's different degrees of contextual information that you're able to provide on different organizations. I mean, I imagine it's probably quite difficult to provide a, a an equal degree of depth to 200 charities, right? Perhaps there's some, there's a handful or a, or a dozen or the top 100 or 200 charities that you're able to give a bit more TLC, really covered properly, and then the tail end maybe not so much, uh, and that a work in progress. I think, I mean, you're hitting on... Uh, why this is somewhat of an endless job in the sense that, um, you know, I described we have this rating system with what we're calling beacons. We're charity navigators. So we stayed in a, in a navigation motif, but you've got the, um, the accountability and finance beacon has a significant amount of data because that's the data coming from the IRS. And so that's where we have the largest number. We, we have the greatest coverage. Then Culture and community is data that we're acquiring. So we're getting that through one of our partner organizations, Candid, or GuideStar by Candid. And that has maybe 30,000. Leadership and adaptability is data that we're collecting directly through our nonprofit portal, and that's at about 16,000. Impact and results is about 1,500. And in the area of impact and results, the way we're working on growing that number is what we call service area algorithms, or there's, um, for example, there's a known intervention, cataract surgery for preventing blindness. There's great ac academic literature on the effectiveness of it. There's also cost structures that we can look at. We then do, we call that the outcome and say, you know, all other things created equal, what is the cost effectiveness of the organization's intervention? Can they perform 200 surgeries for $1,000 or can they perform 100 surgeries for $1,000? And that's how we're, in, that's how we're doing the, the, uh, the impact and results rating. We're, we're taking known interventions where there's literature. So clearly that you, you can kind of project how there are going to be limits to that or how that's probably not going to work so well when you're looking at something like advocacy because there are, you know, the outcomes are uncertain there's we we don't have that level of rigor yet and so we're looking this is this is where there's going to be a constant and ongoing growth area for us and where we're we're seeking partnerships with other people that have figured things out because the beauty of the beauty of charity navigator at least in the united states is that um we get a lot of traffic we get over 11 million unique visitors coming to our site every year and that are using us for their giving decisions so with that, we can, if someone has figured out a good way of rating a specific cause area, we can amplify that through our website. And so we look to, we look to partner and actually amplify others because um, we don't know everything. We really don't. <laughs> and in terms of using your service, so, okay, anybody can just go ahead, get on Google, search for Charity Navigator or go to your website directly, which is, what's the address for that? It's charitynavigator.org. Okay. And then who can use it? I mean, I know intuitively I can think about the different profiles or personalities of people who could use it, but tell me a little bit about who comes onto the website, who uses it, how they're using it. 
I, we, what we found is that there's a wide variety of folks that use our website. You know, as I said, we have 11 million users. The largest demographic, I would say, would be folks 65 and up. Second largest demographic, which we find fascinating, is the 25 to 35-year-olds. They don't have um, as they definitely don't have that much money. They're not necessarily giving through our platform, but they're using our platform and they're in their engagement with the uh, with philanthropy. We have um, teachers. People teach how to how to look at charities with Charity Navigator. You know, either at high school or university. We have people using us for job search. You also have nonprofits using us. They do it as compare against their peers, as well as um, I've talked to many nonprofit CEOs who say, you know, I spend 20 minutes of every board meeting talking about our charity navigator rating. And so it's, it's for some, it's seen as a point of, um, uh, it's a trust factor for them, right? Ultimately, what charity navigator does is create a, tr- a bridge of trust between the donor and the charities they want to support. So charities that supply more information that are actually able to get a more complete rating are actually more visible to, to donors. The other, the other use of Charity Navigator, I would say, you know, there's very much the largest period of giving in, in this country is at the end of the year. Because of, again, because of our tax code incentivizes giving, the last five days of the year, from, you know, or literally from Christmas to midnight on the 31st, we're really busy. So one of the downsides of working at Charity Navigator is Christmas week is not a vacation. <laughs> so we vacation in January. Um, the other time that we get a lot of interest and I think we add a tremendous amount of value is when, when there's a crisis in the world. And you've, we've seen this, for example, with the, um, the, the war in Ukraine. We put up a list of organizations helping with the relief effort there. And there, there's been over $4 million given to that list. To the, There's maybe 20 to 30 charities on that list. And this is, these are small donations. So remember, we're, we're not the, this isn't big philanthropy, it's little philanthropy, but it's, you know, tens of thousands of gifts going to these organizations that are actually doing something around the relief effort. So it's, it's a wide variety of folks. We're also um, pretty split, male, female, and also pretty, pretty split uh, on the political spectrum. So we're not we're not sort of leaning left or right. We are we're really trying to provide a, a platform that allows sort of all voices to be heard. And the rating itself, what does that look like? Is it like you know one star, two star, three star? Give us a little bit of insight into the actual ratings. And when you say uh, a board of directors or board of trustees is talking about how they're being, you know, what sort of rating they have on, what's the rating? So the rating right now, so the. I'm going to go into, there's a little bit, there's what's happening, and this is literally happening um, in real time right now, is we have two rating systems. And so I'll give you a little bit of history into that, and then I'll sort of, I'll get to your question. The 20-year-old Charity Navigator rating is a star rating, zero to four stars, looking at accountability and financial metrics. And that has been in place for, for, for 20 years. There were roughly nine up to 9,000 organizations that we covered with that. These were the largest, most popular charities in the United States. Uh, all, the, all the names you know, right? And 
off the top of your head. Two years ago, uh, we launched um, a new system or what we it started as an, as an experiment to try and broaden what we were doing and, and also sort of broaden and deepen what we're doing. And we called that the Encompass Rating System. That system grew across four different areas. We kept the accountability and finance piece. We added culture and community, leadership and adaptability, and then finally impact and results. That system, once we had it fully populated and we're developing it in what sort of from a software development approach in that sort of an agile, agile uh, development cycle, which means fast iteration, quick changes, we, we've done that. We have a complete system that's been out of, out of beta now for a year. We realized, okay, we now have these two systems and the Encompass system was numeric. So zero to 100 across each of the beacons and then a combined zero to 100 score. We're bringing the two systems together. That's happening um, and we'll go live on November 2nd, 2022. And that is essentially going to have at the top level, there'll st still be a zero to four stars. And then there will be the combining of the accountability and finance metrics from the star system will just snap into the Encompass framework and we'll have a, a single rating system. So you still have numeric scores for each of the four beacons, again, zero to 100. And then there's an algorithm which does the com combination and the stars also, if you want, you can pull the math out and say, you know, this this number equals three stars, four stars, and all of that. Trying to be trying to be simple and easy to understand, and at the same time have some some depth and rigor behind it. There must be a lot of you said it's little donations and so forth, but there must be a lot of uh, philanthropists and foundations who also refer to you when they're thinking about their 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 deal flow, as it were, you know, originating great opportunities where you might be able to give in an informed way, in a risk-averse way, perhaps, or at least trying to mitigate that risk, uh, reputational, financial, and, uh, and, and back something that's making an impact. That's, I think we, we see a lot of that when I, you know, needless to say, we're also a charity. And so we, we go through the grant cycle and apply for grants. And oftentimes when I'm speaking to grant managers, they say, oh yeah, we use you as sort of our first level, you know, first level scan, you know, do a landscape analysis within a specific cause area. And um, so, yeah, we get, we, the beauty of being free is that everybody can use you. Um, and the beauty of that too, is that I think if you look at the way we function as an organization and even our own finances, we went, and this is part of our history, 20 years ago, we were, we were founded by Pat and Marion Dugan, and they bankrolled the organization for the first 12 years. After that point, we transitioned into being a charity ourselves. We now are supported, 66% of our support comes from individual donors, where the average donation size is $45. So thousands of them, right? So it's a very different very very different uh scenario that we're in right now so you're sort of like a wikipedia in some ways not to yep. whether that you think of it as good or bad but you're, you're getting a lot of backing from a lot of little uh entities and individuals everywhere and you're the sort of first point of reference yes and i think that's it's a it's a beautiful place to be because you're not beholden to anyone in that regard 
And as long as you're providing something that, you know, scale is important, right? You're as long as you're providing a, a meaningful service to a large number of people, then they're actually going to keep using that and they'll support you in that. I think where we get catalytic change and is is through the um, through the foundation grants that we get. And so we've had we've had um, multi-year support from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, from uh, Fidelity Charitables Trustees Initiative, MacArthur Foundation, and and others, as well as we had a, we were very fortunate to receive a a grant from McKinsey Scott a little over a year ago, and that. That you will see in our new website that's going to launch also on November 2nd. So we're, you know, great. We can't do that with the, the small donations. But when we get those large injections of capital, we suddenly were able to really transform who we are and how we show up in the world. So let's talk a little bit. First of all, congratulations on all of those bigger donations. All of those names without exception are huge within the philanthropy space. So I think it's a must be heartening to have that sort of endorsement and validation of the stuff you're doing. Um, you mentioned your new website. You mentioned some of these new developments. Everything 2nd of November. We're airing this episode in November to make it as timely as possible for everyone uh, to, uh, to, to, to be the first to take a look at, at Charity Navigator. What, uh, what is the new website about? Give us a little bit more of insight, if you could, into some of the things we'll be seeing uh, that maybe aren't there uh, on the 1st of November, but we'll see them on the 2nd. Yeah. Um, I think the, the core of the website is the user experience and trying to make it a more intuitive experience as well as refining probably the, the, the thing people do most on Charity Navigator is search. And today's Charity Navigator, if you know the name of the organization, you'll find it. Or you'll find it and you'll find a couple of lookalikes. If you decide you want to um, search for a topic, women and girls, or the environment, you will only find, you know, in other words, that's where we're, where we're going is to help you find things in a very specific way so that we're allowing filters. You want to search on women and girls. You want to know something about the demographic of the organization and their leadership, the geographic focus where they're actually doing the work. So what we're trying to do is help you get super refined in what you're finding, what you're looking for, and then using elements of the ratings to sort that filtering or to, to re even reduce it a little bit more. Ultimately, if you think about the, um, we, have a, we have a finite number of causes in the world and we have an infinite number of organizations addressing those causes. The more specific you get, the easier it is to find a charity or a couple of charities to support. And so the search experience is really is key to what we're doing. The, uh, the, other, the other is around just in, improving the um, sort of the unification of the ratings and then just a complete modernization of um, everything in the, in the website. Exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. And what about we, we haven't touched on this, but I imagine it's uh, certainly it's a topic that I hear a lot about which is about employee engagement, employee engagement and having corporates who who want to encourage their staff to give, who are matching their giving and um, and who want to facilitate or make that process as easy as possible, connecting those employees with the causes they care about and and so forth. Uh, it sounds to me Charity Navigator is, uh, is, is an ideal platform or, or, or connector uh, to, to put those employees in touch with the right causes uh, that are close to their heart. 
So the way we address that is through issue lists. So we have um, global hunger uh, charities, we have environmental charities. And so we try and make it easier to find, I care about this specific issue, and then we help you actually refine in that. There's um, part of what we do is also sort of put it in techno jargon. We have an API, which allows organizations or an application interface, which allows someone to bring our information into their platform. So let's say you have a, a workplace giving platform at you know, your, your large company. We could have our ratings and our information actually embedded in that platform without having to go to the Charity Navigator site. And so that's, that's also an opportunity that we're, we're working on that's you know, with corporate giving, with the donor advised funds, with other, other giving type platforms. Fascinating stuff. And tell me a little bit about success for the next five, 10 years. And I always like to look at 10 years because it aligns so nicely with the sustainable development goals for 2030. But if we're having a conversation or if you're back on the show in five years, 10 years time, what is it that you'd like to look back on and say, really proud we achieved all of these things? This is hard. It's hard to measure, but I would like to see less problems in the world mm. because ultimately, I came to Charity Navigator because I wanted to make the biggest possible difference in the world across the widest number of areas. And so the theory for me is that if, if we're, helping, we're helping donor dollars go to higher performing organizations, ultimately that's going to create greater good in the world and we'll have a, a reduction of problems. I, I realized that as a, as a species, we tend to create problems faster than we can fix them. We do create but, problems. <laughs> But I would really, that would, to me, would be, that would be one thing. The other is that there's intentionality in, in one's giving and people are, they're not giving, they're investing in social change. And that that is sort of a ubiquitous um, experience. And then if, to get specific around our, our systems, I would love to see a, a highly, you know, a, a database which has all of the beacons populated with information so that we're actually giving a holistic set of ratings across a wide variety of organizations. Great. And you used that that word investing. And I, and I and I think that's a key thing, right? In terms of the people who are using it. It's, even though it's a philanthropic giving, you you are trying at least to quantify somehow that that social impact, that that social return, right? It's it ultimately Something, something happens that affects us. So it grabs us by the heart and says, I need to do something about this. Either it makes us angry, it makes us sad, or it's something we love that we don't want to see go away. We then, you know, we then we find an organization that's doing that. And often that is in the social sector. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's, you know, it's our governments. Sometimes it's companies, you know, for-profit companies. But then when you find it, then you're going to, you're going to give your money to it. But if you care about that thing, you're going to stay engaged with it, which means you're investing in changing that issue or in preserving something. And it's not just giving money for a tax break. And I don't think we would have as much giving in the world and we and in all forms of giving, not just to charitable organizations if it, people didn't care. But stay the distance, right? You know, if you if you're supporting an organization, stick it out with them and make sure they're doing their job and and actually celebrate their successes with them. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned a little bit earlier also about how when you got into, you know, when you started working with Charity Navigator, 
what happened before he started working with Charity Navigator? What what was that journey, that personal narrative, that professional trajectory? How did you end up where you are today? So I've started in life as a musician and a professional dancer, running an arts organization in my 20s with, with my wife, and was unsuccessful financially in that endeavor, and but had the fortunate... Um, sort of life circumstance where I grew up with a university professor as my father who taught me how to play with computers. And so I learned a software program and supported my art habit with that. My other passion is the ocean. And my father was an ocean engineer. And I started finding work in the oceanographic research community as a hired technician that would go out on the research vessels and support science. That led, sort of fast forward 10 years, I'm working at Microsoft on the, micro, on the Windows operating system, helping them do some instrumentation work around enterprise systems management, which was similar to the work I was doing on the ships, and then left the Windows team and actually joined some work that was in um, Middle East and Africa as a chief technology officer in their public sector vertical working on social and economic improvement programs across all public sector, all of Africa, and all of the Middle East. And so I got to do a lot of work using technology as a lever for change within Microsoft, working with governments, working with the local NGOs in all of these countries. I spent five years in Middle East Africa based in Istanbul, and then five years in Singapore looking after Greater Asia for Microsoft. And that, that was sort of that was my school. Um, I think the other thing in terms of my own personal journey was that in 2011, my wife got sick. And in 2013, she passed away. And um, that sort of was a reset for me. And then in 2014, I left Microsoft and then found Charity Navigator in 2015, moved back to New York, which is home for me, and have been, you know, using all of these experiences, the both the good, the bad, and the ugly of it to really try and make a greater difference in the world. Remarkable story, heartfelt and remarkable. And, and, uh, and thank you for, for sharing that with us. Um, I wish we had several more hours to, to go through all of the work you're doing and, and, and the really interesting stuff and, and drill into everything, but we don't. So we're gonna have to have you back on the show. But before we part ways for today, is there a key takeaway you'd love to share with our audience? Uh, something that you'd love for them to keep in mind after they finish listening to today's show? Absolutely. And I think it's, you know, this is how my life story has evolved. It's also how I think about uh, my giving. And that is, you know, follow your heart, use your head and make a difference. Love it. Michael, thank you so much for joining us on the Do One Better podcast today. It's been an absolute pleasure hosting you on The Chef. Alberto, I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. Perfect. And that's a wrap. Thanks very much for tuning in. As always, you've been listening to a great chat with Michael Thatcher, Chief Executive Officer of Charity Navigator. For information about this conversation and nearly 200 other interviews and case studies in philanthropy, sustainability, and social entrepreneurship, just visit our website at Ligi.org. That's L-I-D-J-I.org. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already. And do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find this show as well. 
I thoroughly enjoyed producing today's show for you. I hope you found it as informative and insightful and engaging as I did. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll catch you next week.